In the beginning, God was there. Our very beginning was because of God. And at the very start, when there was nothing, the earth was formless and empty. There was darkness over the surface of the deeps. And in the midst of that nothingness, there was. There was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the formless earth. Then, God spoke. For in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So God spoke the word of creation again, and again, and again. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The Spirit of God has made us. The breath of the Almighty gives us life. It's a mix of different verses from Scripture put together about our creation. I invite you to be still and just consider the magnitude of that. That the very breath of God gave us life that God spoke us into being. Isn't that incredible? We teach that story to our kids, don't we? We teach them the Genesis 1 account of creation. But it's so much more than a kid's story. As we read the creation accounts, it becomes very clear that the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity together brought forth creation, of which we are a part of. And we are his chosen part of creation to receive the very breath of God and to be image bearers of God within creation. That's what Scripture tells us. And the very God who breathed life into us wants to be in relationship with us. Sometimes I think we delight in missing the point of Scripture. We allow a different narrative to shape our story and sidetrack us from the point God wishes us to realize. We allow the narrative of the world to usurp the narrative of Scripture that we've been given. So what is the point of Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where we have two creation accounts in those two chapters? Is it to tell us exactly what time frame we were created in? If you looked at the theology textbooks and articles and discussions we have around this passage, the questions are, is it a literal 24 hours per day or figurative? Did it take millions of years or not? 
I am just so tired of those conversations. If that's the focus of our conversation regarding this creation narrative in Scripture, we have allowed the world to sidetrack us from the purpose of the creation narratives that God has given us. I'm not saying that conversation doesn't have value. I'm saying the priority it plays in our discussions is wrong and misses the main focus and purpose of the text. And you might be saying, Mike, I thought this was about the Holy Spirit. It is. We'll get to that. In these creation narratives, we have three things revealed to us. There's more than three, but for this morning, given time, we're just going to touch briefly on three things that I believe are key purposes of these narratives that God is wanting us to understand. First, the, fur the fullness of God was invested in creation. The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity was involved in making the world in which we currently stand and was gifted to us to care for. God is the creator of all things. Two, we are told in the creation narratives that we are created with value because we, unlike any other creature in creation, any other creature in creation, bear the image of the triune God. We were made in his image. And three, we're told in the Genesis 2 creation narrative that God breathed life into us and that at that moment, we existed as living creatures. In the book of Job, we read, the Spirit of God has made us, the breath of the Almighty gives us life. Now, think about the adventures in missing the point. The God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created us in his image and breathed life into us and wants to be in relationship with us. And so when we talk about creation, we want to talk instead about time frames and schedules. To me, this is kind of akin to a teenager getting a brand new video game system and saying, wow, what a great box, and forgetting about the video game system inside. It kind of misses the point, doesn't it? Sure, the box is part of the packaging and important, but the purpose was something else. The creation accounts share with us the purpose of why we were created, who created us, and even how we were created. God spoke. God breathed. But somehow we allow the world to distract us, and the conversation becomes focused just on dates and times. And yet, in the midst of this creation narrative, the triune God is revealed to us. In the first chapter of Scripture, we see the fullness of God represented in the creation of the world and a wanting relationship with us. And we choose to talk about time and dates instead of why God created us. We don't want to talk that the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, breathed life and breathed life into us. We don't talk about instead that we're loved and valued and created in the image of God. We don't talk that God was intimately involved in giving us life. It seems to me like we get sidetracked by the distractions of the world rather than focus on what Scripture is really wanting us to focus on. 
As I look at creation in Scripture, I am amazed at the working of the triune God. I remember growing up, learning that the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, thinking it was almost a birthday for the Holy Spirit. Yay, the Spirit is here. And yes, I was taught the Holy Spirit was fully God, so I guess I knew the Holy Spirit was always around, but somehow I never caught that the Holy Spirit permeates all of Scripture, starting with the creation narrative. Because at the creation narrative, all we talked about was seven days versus evolution. Nobody stopped and said, it's the Spirit of God who breathed life into you. The Trinity, the triune God was involved in creation. Look at the beauty of this narrative that God's given us, showing us our relationship with God from the start and who God created us to be. Nobody, nobody started with creation where at the very start of all things we find the Spirit of God hovering over the deeps before anything's created, leading to the breath of God being breathed into us. And these two things, the Spirit of God and the breath of God that are so integral to the story of creation are the one and the same. They are the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, in the Greek, it's the pneuma, the Spirit of God, pneuma in spirit. Last week we learned how the Holy Spirit is sometimes called the paraclete, our helper, our advisor, our counselor. This week we see the Spirit by another name in Scripture, the pneuma, which means spirit or breath. The Holy Spirit or the Holy Breath. It was the Spirit of God that breathed life into us. Not just at creation, but also when given to us, the Spirit of God was breathed into the disciples. We see in the John 20 passage, we read this morning that Jesus was present after his resurrection and the word of God breathed on his disciples and spoke saying, receive the Holy Spirit and it's receive the pneuma, receive the breath of God. And again in Acts 2, we hear about the early church gathering together at Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came upon them and we read in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the breath of God. The breath of God that breathed into humanity at creation again fills us so we can grow in our relationship with the Word of God who spoke us into being at creation. The focus of creation is not about time. It's about the miracle of God creating us to be in relationship with Him, breathing our very life into us, and despite all our efforts to ruin that relationship, that very God pursuing us once again, breathing new life into us through the Word of God who died on the cross, declaring it is finished, was dead for three days and rose again, promised the Spirit will be with us, and then the Spirit comes, filling us, being present with us so we can learn and grow. And we see that this triune God who's present in creation, Father, Son, and Spirit, is present throughout Scripture, evident in the life and ministry of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is fully revealed to us at Pentecost, a gift to every believer to be with us for all time as Christ ascended to heaven. And the person of the Holy Spirit 
is present with each believer. So the question is, what do we do with the Spirit who desires to fill us? What do we do with the breath of God, the Holy Spirit? In Revelation, we see Jesus, the Word of God, speaking to the seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3. When I first arrived here, I think that was the first sermon series I did here, is working through the seven churches. And by being to seven churches, that number seven means complete whole, it's a letter to all the church, including us. But in those letters, Jesus calls on the seven churches in unique ways, some challenging them to change, some encouraging them in suffering. But do you know that Jesus says one thing to every single church? What is so foundational to our identity as Christ followers that every believer is told this? What is so important that Jesus says it seven times, once to each church? Do you know what it is? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Not what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus, or somewhere else, or the church in PCC, but listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. That's how important listening to the Spirit is. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, so we can have this relationship with the triune God and hear what God is saying to us. And so the call and revelation from Jesus is, let us hear what the Spirit that fills us is saying. But the question is, are we listening? Are we listening to what the triune God is saying to us through the Holy Spirit? Or are we too busy to listen? Are we too busy with times and dates, facts and opinions? Are we too busy with ministry roles in the church? Are we too busy looking for what this passage means and what that passage means from our understanding? Are we trying to find things that just support our view? Not that that ever happens in the world, does it? Are we too busy trying to do all the things we want to do that we do not have time to listen, to be still and listen to the breath of God? The breath of God. I want to stop and pause for a second. Everything we're considering I want you just to breathe. Kind of a silly comment, isn't it? Because I suspect all of you are breathing currently. Is anybody not breathing for an extended period of time? Because if so, I'm sure we've got some medical professionals here who can assist. Of course we're breathing. But breathe in. Breathe out. We take it for granted, don't we? 
until we can't do it anymore. You ever had that experience? I've had it a few times in my life. I've got a mild asthma case. I've had a couple times where my breathing has been very, all of a sudden, very hard. I have a couple friends with cystic fibrosis. They don't take breathing for granted one day. Every breath is a gift for them. But boy, do we take breathing for granted because we just do it. God's grace and faithfulness is so overwhelming. It's so much part of our life that perhaps like breathing, we take it for granted. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and the, the Spirit's always present with us and perhaps we take the very presence of God and the Holy Spirit for granted like we do our breathing. And so we forget that the Spirit's even there and we stop listening. There was so much we could talk about about the Trinity. And there's so much I want to talk about regarding the Trinity and the Holy Spirit's role in it. What language to use? What arguments to make? Why simple images of the Trinity fail? We could speak of the mystery of the Trinity. But when we start doing that, we run this risk of running a cognitive marathon void of relationship, just thinking about what we know. We root ourselves in knowledge and not the breath of God that desires to fill us and have us listen. We ruin the risk of ignoring the triune God that allowed the Holy Spirit to bring life into us. So caught up with knowing things. We run the risk of ignoring the triune God that desires a relationship with us and fills us with the very breath of God. Every breath we take should remind us of the gift we have been given by the giving of the Holy Spirit to us. And yet this Holy Spirit, this person of the Trinity that we're told dwells within us, that can fill us, we quench it sometimes. Sometimes unintentionally. Other times, I suspect, we quench the Holy Spirit, push the Spirit aside because we want to focus on anything but the Spirit. God, I've got this. I know what I'm doing. I don't need you right now. I'll call you when I'm in crisis mode, but I've got this. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then he says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good. Do not quench the spirit. God's will for us in Jesus Christ is that we rejoice and pray continually, that we give thanks always. But then there's this warning, don't quench the Spirit. Do you notice the Trinity was present in that passage and the warning about the Holy Spirit? Do God's will for in Christ and don't quench the Spirit. Do what God's called you to, but don't stop listening to the Spirit. What does quench mean? It means do not, it means putting it out. It's calling us, don't put out the Holy Spirit. Do not extinguish the breath of God in you. What does it mean not to quench the Spirit then? To not put out the Spirit. 
Well, we see Paul pairing phrases together. And here we have, don't quench the spirit paired with do not despise prophecies. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying the same thing John is writing us down as Jesus having said in Revelation. He's saying, listen to the Spirit. Do what God's called you in Christ and don't stop listening to the Spirit. To quench the Spirit, to stifle the Spirit, to stop heeding the leading of the Spirit is to stop listening to the Spirit. The triune God who spoke at creation and spoke creation to existence, who breathed life into us and created us through the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, loves us, desires a relationship with us, and wishes for us to listen to Him through the Spirit. In the Spirit. It is through the Holy Spirit that the truth of God is placed on our hearts and minds as we pray, as we read Scripture, as we do community together, as we listen in all these things. Through all these things, God desires to fill us with His Spirit. But we have a choice whether to be filled by the Spirit, by the breath of God, or to stifle and quench the Spirit to ignore the Spirit, to extinguish the Spirit of God. Do we hear the words of Christ in Revelation being spoken to us? Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are we listening? I need to tell you, we're living in a world right now that is not listening to each other, let alone God. And we are playing a dangerous game in the church when we buy into that mentality in our culture and keep proclaiming our truth in this world rather than slowing down and listening to what the Spirit is saying in our lives. If all we're doing is talking, if all we're doing is speaking our truth, we are quenching the Spirit. And we have to ask, are we listening? What space do you have in your life to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you? Are you listening to what the Spirit is saying to others around you? Because it's not just what the Spirit says to you. We do this in community, as Ben was saying. We don't do this alone in a broom closet or anonymously on the internet. We do this in community. We listen together. We pray together. We seek together. Are we listening for the Spirit in the everyday encounters where God is at work in us, through us, through others? Those unexpected encounters we have. Are we listening for the Spirit, the breath of God, with every breath we take. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The triune God who created us is in relationship with us and is speaking to us. And we are at times getting sidetracked by the busyness of our world and the 
narrative of our world that we're not stopping and just listening, waiting upon the Spirit, trusting the Spirit to speak, discerning. God has given us the Spirit so we can hear Him speaking to us. So let's hear the Spirit. With Him who has ears, with the person who has ears, hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Please pray with me. Lord, I don't think we've ever been good at listening as people. It seems like from the, the moment we are as kids, we, we want to do things our own way and we don't want to hear what our parents are saying and listen to them. And as we grow, we're still that way. We like to have knowledge and power and influence and, and insight. And yet... Those are often things of the world and not of you. Lord, help us to be a people who listen. And this is not something I know, Lord, that just changes overnight. But may your spirit work in us and nurture in us a, a heart of listening. Listening to you. Listening to each other with open hearts and minds and with love. Because in that, you may be speaking to us. Help us to listen to your word. Help us to be still. And listen and know that you are God. Lord, I know in my own life, this can feel overwhelming at times of everything that's on the plate of life. is present, and yet I can't do this without you. I can't do life without you. We can't do life without you. So help us to be a people who seek your leading in our world, in our lives, and help us to be ones who listen to you, to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In your name we pray. Amen.